so good to see you. I'm sitting standing here during worship, and I'm thinking about um, that day, that Sunday. Still chokes me up to think about it. Um, But I feel like a proud papa. I really do. I'm standing there around all kinds of awesome people, watching awesome people, being in the midst of awesome people, and I'm thinking, God, you're just so good. And I'm proud. I really am. To you guys, man, I love you. You guys are awesome. It's what we had planned. Every time I come down here, I think, yep, this is it. I still see it. And we appreciate you so very much. Well, I think we ought to get to the word. How about it? So your series uh, for the month has been, drop your Bible three times. No, it didn't. That's not the name of that. Uh, the series is entitled uh, Offenses and, and Drinking Poison. And uh, I, I want to kind of sum all that up. I, I, um, I've talked with Pastor Mike. I've listened to some stuff. I've read his notes and all that stuff so I know where we're headed with all this. And I just want to put a bow on it. Um, he asked me if I was going to go back. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go back and touch just a couple things. He said, is there things we have to correct? And I'm, no, not at all. I just want to put my stamp on it and say that's exactly right. And uh, I'm proud of them. So uh, we're going to start really with this thought. Why do offenses come? And I know you've gone through all this stuff, so you just have to kind of flow with me and let it be okay, because it will be. But I want to just add a couple things that I've learned over the years. You know, I've been doing this 40 years. I didn't know I was that old. But it, it, uh, I've learned some things. Now, uh, you have in this house three pastors. And uh, none of us have ever had the opportunity to be offended. So this is not from experience. This is something I learned in Bible school. Mm. We, we all have. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus said offenses are going to come. And so not to be surprised when they come. I tell people all the time. So who's been offended lately? And everybody, everybody raise their hand. Who has never been offended? A couple people raise their hand. I say, you have a huge target on your back. Because you do. Because the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. And so he wants to stop you. He wants to bring division. As I say, I've done this 40 years now. And I've seen some of the worst church splits possible based on one person getting offended and not deal. One person. And it's usually something just absolutely, my word, goofy. It could have been dealt with real easy. You could, should have not taken care of it, but no, you had to let it fester. You had to take the bait. And so today I want to just kind of spend some time and let you know. We are in an interesting season. And the season is this. It's a God season. And the churches are growing. Things are happening. People are making decisions for Christ. People are making a decision to get right. People are making decisions. You know, nothing out here is working, but God is. And so people are like, man, I'm going to turn on to something that's right. So churches are growing. You know, 2020, the year of whatever that mess was, um, we had our best year. Best year financially. We grew more because we stayed on the word. 
I refuse to talk the propaganda. I refuse to talk the mess. Do I believe that the virus was in Israel? Yes. Do I believe that we've got to bow our knee to it? No. Uh, and anyway, that's, that's actually beside the point. The point is this. We had our best year. This year has started out really awesome and has been a really, really good year. But I'm telling you what, there's something in the water. Because it seems like I deal with one offense, get these people straightened out, or they leave. And then here comes another one. And then this one gets offended at that one because they got offended. And it, before long, it's like, oh, you know, what is the deal? You know, I had, a, I had a wonderful, listen, pastoral management team. Pastor Steve came up and helped us put together all the teams, and we've done all that, and it's all been wonderful. And we were, we were rocking and rolling, things were happening. And one person left right because they had a, an opportunity, but somebody got offended over that. And when it all settled out, I went from a seven-member pastoral management team to one beside me. And so I have to start all over and rebuild that thing all over, and it's only because somebody got offended. So guys, be very cautious. If I could give you a warning, it's this. The devil will do his best to divide the sheep. And the only way he can do it is inside. It's been proven time and time again that when the pressure comes from outside, we come together, we get stronger, and we push forward. So all he can do is get in the middle here. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this church. This church is probably in the best shape it's ever been. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen the reports. Uh, you know, that'll happen here in a few months. But the point being that uh, the devil doesn't like it. So in Mark chapter 4, you know the story. Uh, we're going to do old school today. I call it old school when you get your Bible out and have to read it. <laughs> I have a PowerPoint stuff that I do at home, but I just, you know, I like just kind of being old school sometimes. But in Mark chapter 4, about verse 16 or so, you know, um, Jesus is talking about parable of the sower. And he says this in Mark 4. If you want to go there with me, you can. Mark chapter 4, and we'll start verse 16, I believe. And he said this, these likewise, talking about the word being sown like seed. And these likewise are the ones that are sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. We're all like that. But if we don't do the next step, we're going we're gonna to end up with what this seed ends up with. But not having much root. You know, when your pastor ministers the word to you, you ought to take that as something very valuable. Amen. Because it is. It's the living word of God. It has power. And you ought to take that and hide it on the inside of you. You ought to work on that all week long. You ought to be thinking about that. How can I apply that to my life? How can, I, how can that help me be better? How can that help me grow and, and be in a place to where when the, word, when the devil comes to steal it, because he will, he can't get to it. Amen. It's this stuff when you mentally ascend to the word. Yeah, I've heard that before. You know, I'm a Rhema graduate. Brother Hagen, when he, uh, the first year that we were in school, uh, every uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the first whole semester, he'd come out on the platform, amen, praise the Lord, come right out to the edge, 
hold his fingers just like this. We practiced it, didn't we? And say, amen, open your Bibles to Mark eleven twenty three. After about the, the, the end of the first week, I'm like, dear God, does he not know anything but that? <laughs> and here it's been however many years it's been uh, since I graduated. I'm still learning stuff from Mark eleven twenty three. But it's because you keep it in here. You don't just let it go here. Because there's a lot of people, trust me, there's a lot of people that say they're faith folk. A lot of people say they walk in faith. And, you know, proof of the pudding is, no, they're not. When the pressure comes, I always say this, you don't know what color your toothpaste is till you squeeze the tube. And we just got to know that, guys. It's going to come. So don't think, you know, I thought when I got born again, I thought. Uh, I got born again six weeks before Debbie and I got married. I'm still kind of cautious to ask her what would have happened if I wasn't born again on that wedding day. And the answer she will tell me is there wouldn't have been a wedding. But I got, I got born again six, uh, six weeks before we got married. And I thought that all my problems were done, that I'd just float on a cloud the rest of my life, and it'd be awesome. That lasted about three weeks. And then all of a sudden, dear God, what has happened? And the answer is right here. And they not having root in themselves and only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, now, tribulation, persecution is going to come. Notice I did not say sickness and disease. God does not put stuff on us to teach us stuff. That is false, false, wrong. The devil is trying to get us to give up the word. And because of that stuff that goes on, people get offended. You have to understand, it's not because of my personality. I hear that all the time. I, I just can I just be carnal for a second? I just want to slap them. Well, my personality type is such. This is just the way I am, and you just got to put up with me. No, you're supposed to grow into the likeness of Christ, and so don't give me that mess. I, I deal with people. I don't know why God has graced me with um, some interesting people over the years to deal with. But a lot of them have those, those attitudes. And, and most of them, you know, you can see change in them. And it's all cool. But here's the point. Offenses will come. Now, the Greek word. Love the Greek. Very picturesque. The Greek word here in the root is scandalon. But this particular uh, word here is a level above, and it's scandalizo, scandalizo. And scandalizo actually means this. It means to entice or to entrap. And it is the picture, not of the trap. Everybody thinks that it's the trap. No, it's not the trap. It's the bait stick. It's where you put something that will please the flesh. And when you take it, then you started your spiral. And we have to understand this. Hey, I've been offended. Trust me. I have wore the badges. I've got the merit badge. I think I, you know, I don't, I, I've, I've been offended sometimes. 
And every time when it started, I felt like I was vindicated. I felt like it was justified. I felt like, bless God, I've been done wrong. And if, if anybody should be offended, should be me. Until Jesus starts talking to me. There was one time, uh, I'm, uh, I just have to kind of share a couple of One time where uh, we were going to help a church in North Carolina get started out on the western part. I would never start anything in this area. Um, just wouldn't do it. That's, that's integrity. I know a lot of people in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Fuquay. Well, I know a lot of people. I could start a church here and know some people. But that wouldn't be integrity and it wouldn't be God. Never mind. I'm not going to, don't, don't kick that soapbox out, but it's true. But we went to help a church out on the western part of the state. And, and um, you know, we were going to buy an RV and live in it and, and travel after we do Sunday morning service, go get lunch, jump in the RV, and I'd take a nap while we drove. And um, no, I would not be driving. And we'd get, you know, get down there. I'd be fresh for service and have service that night and then Monday drive back. It was an awesome plan. I believe it was God, except somebody decided that they didn't trust me. Now, I'm going to give you some clues as we go today of some things you need to watch for. The very second you feel a questioning of trust in your leadership, the very second, don't let it fester. Don't let it. I'm going to meditate on this a little bit. No, immediately you go to talk to somebody. If it's your pastor, you go talk to your pastor right now. Don't let it get to a point to where you're fuming and your nostrils are flared out while you're talking to him or her because, you know, it's, it's going to cause a division immediately. Immediately go talk. Hey, I just want to talk to you for a second. You know, I love you. I trust you. But here's something that's really bothering me. Deal with it quick. But anyway, he decided he didn't trust me. So he texted me, I know, emailed me. I hadn't talked to this guy since. This was a Saturday. We were going down on Sunday to start the church. He hasn't talked to me since. This was probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. We were, we were in Roanoke. Uh, he, he sends me an email. We have decided that we're going to start the church. That's right. But we're not sure that you're the man to help us start it, so I'm going to do it. So don't bother coming. We're going to do it. So I call him. He won't answer the phone. So I call a couple of the people that were so pro me doing it, and they said, he's been so good to us. Listen, he has paid our light bill. So I know where, you're, I know where your real God is. And so we have to go with him because, I mean, whenever we have a need, he takes care of it. He's a pretty wealthy guy. The church lasted about four months, by the way, and didn't make it because he wasn't anointed to do it. But anyway, that's beside the point. And so because of that, we have an RV now that the church down there was going to pay for. But we signed on the dotted line, you know, and all that. So guess who's got it? Guess who made every payment till we sold it? You know, there's two great days in an RV person's life. <laughs> the day they buy an RV and the day they wave goodbye for the last time. I'm telling you, it's like, oh, man. But anyway, so that RV sits in our driveway. 
and the window in my prayer room looks out to the driveway. And so every morning I'd sit down to pray and I'd look out the window to see God and I'd see that RV. And I'm telling you what's the truth. Uh, I would, you know, I'd start praying, Lord, you know, I love you, I bless you, Lord, thank you. And, and in just a second or two, God, what are you going to do about so-and-so because he messed with, you know, he did this. I was so offended. Our church sat for eight months at zero movement because of me. Finally, one day I'm praying and I'm just, boy, I'm just laying into this guy. And God said, how much longer are you going to let that man control your life? I said, I'm done right now. It's not one more night with the frogs. I'm done. So that day I repented. I forgave him. I repented. Not for him, for me. Then I forgave him. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And then I've never thought about it since. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I thought <laughs> for about three months, it was every morning I'd sit down to pray and I, I could just feel that stuff starting to build again. You see, we need to know what we're dealing with and make sure that we stop it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this. I won't turn there, but I just want to let you know this. That if we fall from the grace or fail the grace of God, in, in this area we're talking, that a root of bitterness will spring up and defile not only yourself but others. The word bitterness in the Greek is the Greek word for an acidic substance that gets on you and won't get off. So just think about this, that if you're offended, because all of us feel like, hey, you know what, we all get to be offended once in a while because probably somebody did something wrong. Just know that if you don't deal with it, the root will begin to grow and produce a plant, you, that is very acidic. And it's like spitting out battery acid everywhere you go. So we need to deal with it. How do we deal with it? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Next time I come, I'll tell you. No, no, we'll do it now. How about this one? Let's do it real quick. Mark 11. Not going 22, not going 23. I could. 25. Mark 11, 25, just real quick. Because you got to see this. Because everybody says this, you got to forgive them. You know what? I had the hardest time forgiving that guy. Uh, and, and the reason I had a hard time forgiving that guy is because I was trying to forget it. Forgive doesn't say forget. And I know you've heard awesome teaching on this already, but I'm just throwing my two cents in as we go. And here it is, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone... Forgive them that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Now watch this. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now I have a question for you. Is unforgiveness a sin? So if God was to operate in unforgiveness, he would be sinning. He can't do that. There's something here we don't see. We just automatically think, well, God won't forgive me. God can't do that. That's sin. He can't do that. So let's look at this word for just a second, and let's figure out what it is he's trying to say here, because we need to understand what we need to do here. 
Because I bet I, for, I forgave that guy a hundred times. And I was thinking I'd never think about it again. You know, forgive. Forgive and forget. How many of us have ever heard that? The word forgive, are you ready? The word forgive in the Greek is an interesting Greek word. Interesting. It does not mean to go out of the mind. It means to release that which connects. To release. So, if you forgive, your Father in heaven can release you. Can release the blessing. Can release. If you don't operate in forgiveness, he can't. Not because he doesn't want to. Not because he's bad at you. He cannot override sin. And so understand this, the word forgive means to release, which is an act of your own will based on your faith and based on who you are in Christ. See, we have to understand that. We have the grace. It's part of the package deal. When you got born again, you got the grace. Part of that grace is the ability to do things in the natural you can't do. One of those, I mean, we could spend the whole time doing the whole spectrum, but one of those is the ability to release others. Now, as I've said, I've been doing this 40 years. Can I tell you, I have no idea how many times I've had to do this. A bunch. I just, just uh, I, oh, I don't know. It's been uh, maybe four or five weeks ago now, maybe longer. I don't know. It, it just shows how, how quickly I released it. But had this couple come to me and they said, Pastor, you know, we're here not just because our daughter lives here. We're here because we believe in your vision. We believe in what God's called you to do. We got your back. Guys on the front row, how many times do you twinch when somebody says, I got your back? It's like, yeah, I know what you got for my back. That was a Friday. A Monday morning, uh, a friend of mine who I work for a couple days, a couple hours a day, just helping him with his construction company, called me up and said, I have no confidence in you. I have no trust in you. You're a bad leader, and we're leaving the church. And Sunday, when they were in church, they were fine. But by Monday, they were all punked out. They were spewing battery acid at me, and it wasn't my fault. So what do you do? You kick the can down the street. You fuss about it. You grumble about it. No, you can't. You cannot afford to do that. Not one second. I've learned this. Played this game. So you release them first thing. Father, I don't know what's always going on in their life, but I release it. I refuse to allow that to attach itself to me. I love them. I release it. I release them. Lord, you deal with it because I certainly can't. And every time it thought comes up, I released it. It's gone. I have no feelings. You know, a dead man can't feel. We're dead, alive unto God. But you know, I, 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 don't, have, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. Um, I guess I had a lot of energy back then because, boy, I tell you what, I would fuss with it. I would chase them. I would try to... Come sit down, talk to me. Let's try to work this out. No, I'm releasing it. Now, since I released it, I'll be driving down the road and God will say, call them right this second. So I, I have hands free on my phone, on my car. And so I'll call them up. 
And the lady answered the phone. I said, this is your favorite pastor (laughs) who loves you very much and always will. I just want to make sure you're okay. And you can just hear them just fall apart. I was thinking about you today. Now, did they come running back to the church? No. But it's released. See, now I'm back in the driver's seat because I'm the one praying for them and I care about them. Nothing on this side. I'm clean. That's what you have to do. Listen, you have to. It doesn't matter what they've done. I've had some pretty nasty stuff. I had a praise and worship leader one time that get offended at me because I didn't like it the way he wanted to. He wanted to march his praise team in from the back door. This was in Roanoke. This is not here. Don't think, okay, who is this? Um, march them in like they were the greatest thing since sliced bread and get them on the platform for everybody to applause, applaud the whole time they're coming in. And I just looked at him and I said, no. He said, listen, I'm the priest of the house. You're the king. You take care of the word. I'll take care of the music. And I just smiled at him and I said, no. I really, I mean, I had some nasty, I mean, it was the nastiest split our church has ever been through. It was awful. We had guys that would come back from mission trips expecting them to give a good report and they wanted to get up here and talk about how bad I was and they were leaving the church because the guy told me after he could talk again and he got up, held the mic in his hand and his mouth shut. And he couldn't say a word. I know why. Because he was trying to stir up more stuff. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point being that you and I need to realize, it's, and there's been some nasty stuff, but here I am standing, proud of you, proud of Pastor Steve, proud of Pastor Micah, proud of all of you. I mean, this is an awesome place. And I had a small part in it. And now we're doing some things in in Roanoke that nobody else can do. Because you refuse to give in to your flesh. We're better than that. This next season we're going into is an awesome season, I'm telling you. I've done a lot of end time study and I know where we are. I know about how much time we have. And I know that we've got a big harvest to reap before that. And you're the guys to do it. And you might as well learn how to stack chairs and unstack chairs because I'm going to tell you, you're going to need them. But you've got to forgive. Number one, you've got to forgive. You've got to release it. Let it go. I refuse. I refuse to let that attach to me. We know what a, we know what a mousetrap look like, looks like. I used peanut butter at my house. I thought I had a, a, a mouse problem. The, the trap has never been touched yet, so it wasn't, it wasn't what it was. But uh, I know what peanut butter smells like, but I am not sticking my tongue on that trap. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it's not happening. But here's the point. We know what it looks like. Come on, people, if you've been alive any amount of time. You know what it feels like when you're about ready to get irritated at somebody else for something they did. You know, no, brother, I pray all day long. I don't know that. Nuh-uh. As we say, uh, uh, you know, in Virginia, nuh-uh. 
We don't tote. Y'all tote. We don't tote up there. But anyway, has nothing to do with the message. Uh, but we know when it's going to happen. Don't take the bait. Now, my last thought. And my last thought's going to last seven minutes and 54 seconds. <laughs> but my last thought is this. The reason most people get offended. You want to know why? It's the enemy doing it. And he's there to steal the word. But do you know why we take the bait? Do you know why we reach over there and hear snap? It's because we have an unhealthy trust and attachment to people. The people that I get offended at the most are the ones that I trusted the most. The people that I knew would never do me wrong have done me wrong. The people that I thought, well, you know, they, they are for life. Now, my best friend is sitting in this room. Right here on the front row. My very best friend. And, and we've known each other for 26 years. He's done some things I didn't like. I've done some things he didn't like. But we've never allowed, I guess. I mean, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what your prayer time is, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe we need y'all excuse us a second. I need to go have a conversation. No, um, what we need to understand, you know, you got to deal with stuff. And don't trust people. Put your trust in. Tell you a little story real quick. Jesus was in his hometown. You'll find this in in Mark is a, is a good place to find it. But Jesus was in his hometown. And he was preaching the word as he did when he went to the synagogue. He was preaching and teaching. And miracles, signs, and wonders were following the teaching. And the people were amazed. Except his buddies and his friends and his family. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Isn't this the carpenter? Hey, I, I, we know his mom. We know his brothers and his sisters. Won't go there, but Jesus had at least four brothers and two sisters, uh, half-sisters. And, and uh, who is he? I mean, I remember when he hit his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> I, I remember. Now, Jesus didn't cuss. I know that because it says that he was without sin. But I, I know that he went around, you know, anyway. The point being, they were offended at him. Because they had an opinion of him, Carpenter's son. Listen, you cannot, cannot put your trust in people. How do you know whether you do or not? When you're around certain people, do you feel good? And when they're not here, you don't. Now, I understand, and I understand relationships, and I understand that, you know, the give and take of relationships. But when you lose a relationship, do you almost fall apart? Then you got, there's an unhealthy attachment. Now, I'm not talking about husband, wife, don't misunderstand. But what I am talking about, because I've done it. Hello, I'm, I've pastored two churches, started one from below scratch. I'm talking, we came here, we didn't know anybody, we didn't have jobs, we didn't have places to live, nothing. And God provided. And you're sitting in, in some of the fruit of that. These guys did a great part of that. Don't misunderstand. And I've taken over a church that was so full of problems and sexual sin and such mess that it took us six months of daily counseling people just to get people's head on halfway straight. 
I've done it. And I have looked to people and I have felt good because we had X number of people in the building. And when we would lose people through, you know, whatever. Take your pick. I'd have, I'd go, uh, seriously. I'd go through a type of depression. I wouldn't get there. But I'd feel, I have to question myself. Y'all don't have to do that. You don't have to look and say, is it me? If you're up here, you got, you got to say sometimes, is it me? This isn't going the way I want it to go. Is it me? I, I've gone through those times where I thought, you know, hey, um, I thought they would be with me. Founding members of this church, founding members of this church, um, one day just decided they didn't like me anymore. None of you in this room would know them. They, they were gone long before I left, so they were gone before anybody else got here. Well, maybe one or two of you would. But, uh, and I had to go through this period of searching me. God, what's wrong? You know, all this stuff. Because I had an unhealthy attachment to people. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge all the people in your life. No. Guys, I'm very relational. If I could, I'd give you all a big hug. Because I'm just, it's the way I am. I like people. Kind of a good thing since I'm a pastor. But, um... I had to get to a place to where I trust the Lord with all my heart. Lean not to my understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct my path. But you know, that didn't just happen because somebody came over and laid hands on me, and there it is. I got it. I had to walk that out by faith, and you do too. Guys, if if you're a believer in Jesus then you have the grace to do it. You've just got to make a decision. My growth, my calling. Everybody in this room, you have a calling. Everybody in this room, you have a destiny. And that destiny is to fulfill the calling. And in the long in that calling, you all have assignments. I don't want to stand before Father God and him to say to me, you know what, you had this to do and this to do, this to do, but you were so offended that you wouldn't step into it. You don't want to do it either. You have to make a decision. You have to tell the flesh, not this time. I'm going to walk in what God's called me to do, and in order to do that, I've got to keep my eyes on him. I've got to keep focused on him. I love people, but if everybody left me and it's just me and my wife and Jesus, I'd be okay. Now, do I want that? I don't want that. But you got to be at that place. Guys, we've got to make a decision. Today's the day to make the decision. I can't let this stuff hinder me any longer. 
we've got to get it out. Today's a good day to do that. Your awesome pastor's going to come, and he's going to share with you, and he's going to lead you in prayer, and he's going to help you to get rid of that stuff right now. In Jesus' name. Come on.